Welcome to episode 55 of the RXP Podcast, where three working professionals talk about the games, movies, and TV shows they love to enjoy in their free time. To all you listeners out there, Happy New Year 2022. And for the podcast, this is our first episode of the new year as well. And in this episode, just like last year, we will be doing our top six experiences. But more specifically for this year, it's our top six games of the year of 2021. I'm your host, Alex, and joining me to talk about their top six games of 2021, as usual, are my co-host, Tiffany. We finally survived 2021. I cannot wait for this pandemic to maybe disappear in 2022. Wow, you sounded so enthusiastic. (laughs) And that extra voice you heard is our other co-host Matt. What's going on? We're almost there. I don't I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if t- has 2020 ended yet? I know we're in 2022, but I think 2020 is still going. It's true. It's just right? a looming presence. I saw this meme where it was like 2022 and then they like spaced it out and they're like 2022. Like saying it was like 2020 yeah, also. <laughs> again. Oh no. Uh. Ah, memes. All right. As I mentioned at the start of the show, you know, top six games. What are our top six games that we played in 2021? And I do want to make that distinction to say that these are things we've played in 2021. So not maybe not necessarily everything that's in our top six list is something that's newly released in 2021. Because, you know, obviously, as we discussed in previous episodes of the podcast, Games can sometimes take a long time to finish. And so, you know, when that backlog builds up, sometimes you just get to a game when you get to it. So maybe these games came out in 2020, 2019, maybe even older than that. Who knows? Maybe uh, any one of us might surprise you. But, you know, more than likely, we'll have at least a good number of newly released 2021 games uh, to mention here today. And I'm going to start off with my number six pick. And this is a game that I talked highly of earlier this year, and I think, or I guess earlier in 2021, and it really stood the test of time as I expected it to, but obviously, you know, I was trying to not be too excited about it, and that is Wreckfest. Wreckfest is my number six, and, you know, I've played a bunch of, you know, racing games in 2021. I've played Need for Speed Heat. I've played... Uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed. I played Forza Horizon 5. You know, all these are great games, amazing stuff. But really, for me, Wreckfest has clinched that number six spot, uh, mostly due to the fact that I think it does hit the balance of not necessarily sim racing, but more serious racing combined with an arcade aspect that really, I think, because it goes both ways, is the best of both worlds for me since I enjoy both types of racing games. And, you know, just to emphasize the fact, as I mentioned earlier this year, the Demolition Derby mode, what a fantastic mode, right? Like when you, you know, you think about things like Mario Kart, a lot of people love the battle modes in Mario Kart. And that's basically what Demolition Derby is, right? Like it's just you literally ramming your car into your opponent's cars and whoever's car is has the most like health remaining at the end wins. And that's just pure fun. And on the flip side, the actual racing part, I think, as I mentioned before, it does such a good job towing the line between sim and arcade because for the most part, you can just hop into a race with a vehicle 
and have fun with it and not necessarily care about like the specifics. But there is that side to the racing that gets a little bit more serious where if you actually pay attention to the courses you're racing on, whether it's, you know, asphalt or dirt and actually tune your car in the pre-race lobby beforehand, it can make a significant difference. But I don't think it's too complicated that even people that don't really know like the actual physics of real life, you know, racing need to worry about because in game it tells you, Hey, how do you want your suspension? Do you want it more loose for dirt roads or do you want it more uh, stiff for asphalt based roads? And that's really easy to understand, right? Obviously there is the aspect of you need to know the track in order to make that decision. But the simple binary thing to say, do I want it more stiff or loose is I think very opening to most people that you can at least make that basic understanding and choice. So I think things like this have really made Wreckfest my favorite racing game of the year and clinched that number six spot. And that was a PS Plus game, so you got it for free, right? Yeah, that was. It debuted uh, on PS5. Yeah, as as a free game, I think back in February or March. And so definitely there was that added value of I got it for free. So I definitely recommend it. If you guys added it to your library on your console, you know, definitely check it out. I think you can have at least a good few races if you don't stick to it as long as I did, you know, because I got that platinum trophy. Because like racing games, for me, I'm not as big of a racing fan as you. And when I see something like Wreckfest, I'm like, this is like if they had a, a passion project where they took like Destruction All-Stars, Dirt, and maybe Forza or Gran Turismo, and, like, made a baby, and Wreckfest came out. And for me, like, if I was just judging it based on its cover and, like, my initial thoughts, I'd be like, you know what, this is, like, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Do you think that they, like, really nail all of those different aspects, like, together, or is it more just, like, a overall above-average experience for all of them? I think it's more so that it's... The Demolition Derby mode in particular is mostly unmatched because even Mm -hmm. in a lot of other games, there isn't like an actual Demolition Derby per se. Like there might be things similar to it because I know like in Forza Horizon 5, they have that uh, Battle Royale style mode, the Eliminator. Mm -hmm. And so it's like not necessarily Demolition Derby, but there is this kind of survival aspect there. Uh, But I think with that being... I guess, right, the core, one of the core pillars of the game design, right, it being called Wreckfest, right, as you mentioned, kind of the cover of the game is one car standing upon, Mm -hmm. like, the junk chassis of a bunch of other cars. Uh, I think it does hit that good split between having that type of demo derby mode on top of just good racing and like I mentioned before, it it does toe the line to say you're not getting the best sim racer out there. You're not getting the best arcade racer out there, but you are getting a thing where if you want to have fun in a more general way, like this will kind of scratch that itch across the board. And on top of that, too, as I mentioned previously, but not today, they really don't add a lot of superfluous comments to it. Uh, right. Like there's no bad like narrator like there's no narration in the game like not even for countdowns not even for you finishing like everything's just relayed via text on the screen and i appreciate that because i know games like i've also played dirt 5 this year that has a very bad like story quote unquote to it and even though they got someone like troy baker to voice like one of the characters in its story it i think more so despite troy baker being such a talented voice actor detracts from the game than adds Mm. to it so it it really does kind of it's 
good in all the aspects and they made smart decisions to make it even better. All right, Tiffany, what's your number six? I had a lot of honorable mentions, um, but we're going to save that for later. So, but like it was a struggle picking my number six because I had so many. So honestly, I feel like if I had a top five, it'd be no brainer. But anyway, (laughs) here we are. Number six is going to be Kana Bridge of Spirits. Okay. So I decided to make my list based on no reservations on recommending any of these experiences, any of these games. I didn't want a caveat. I wasn't going to say like, oh, if you like JRPGs, I recommend this. Or, oh, if you, you know, if you have a lot of time available to you, I want to recommend this. I was like, my top six are things that I would recommend to anyone who would play a video game. So Kana Bridge of Spirits, I thought the length was really good. I thought the the visuals were beautiful. The gameplay was pretty fun and nostalgic in the sense that it's very reminiscent of the PlayStation 2 era. So I am pretty excited for what Ember Labs has to is like currently developing for the future. But Kana Bridge of Spirits, I think in the end, I might have been a little bit too hard on it after I first played it. Um, you know, I don't know if audio listeners who's been with us for a while, I was very kind of lukewarm when I talked about Cana Bridge of Spirits earlier this year. However, when I think back to it, I like basically played it into completion over a weekend because I was like, I really liked it and I wanted to see how the story ended. So my number six is Cana Bridge of Spirits. Surprisingly... That did not make my list at all. Just that doesn't surprise me. That does not. Oh, okay. Sur- that does not surprise <laughs> me. It surprised me. <laughs> I think more surprising is that it wasn't in your like top five. Like I, I thought it would have for sure been in your top six. Like I know you sounded a little lukewarm on the podcast, but like I knew you really were engrossed in it when you started playing it. So I'm actually shocked that it was you know barely made the gut. But maybe that's just yeah. a. A promise of Testament. your honorable mentions, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is that is that a product of how hype you were going into it and then the actual product it ended up being? What do you mean by that? Like, you were so excited going into it, but did it meet that excitement, like, when you finally played it and finished it? Or was it, is it hitting number six barely, it seems, because it wasn't, it didn't meet those expectations? Yeah, I think... You know, there are a few, what is it called? Quality of life changes that would have been very nice with that game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, prior to participating in this podcast with you guys, I don't know that I would have really, I don't want to use the word nitpicked, but like really analyzed games as much as I do now. You know, like 2019 Tiffany probably would have loved Kana Bridge of Spirits with all her heart and, you know, would have been shouting for the rooftops, would have bought those rot plushies, mm-hmm. you know, like I full steam ahead kind of thing. Right. But, you know, opening the map and not having a freaking or not even opening the map, but not having a cursor to show me which direction to move for my quest. And I get lost in video I get lost mm-hmm. in worlds okay like I need orientation it was very hard to get that I constantly am opening and closing my map you know the very 
very helpful gaming, you know, tips or like quality of life changes would have been really nice. So like thinking about that now in 2021, that's where kind of where my lukewarmness was. However, I think that just reflecting back at my time with it, knowing how beautiful the game is, and yes, there's some things that could be better for the future, I still think it was a pretty good game. And I really liked the story with some of the spirits. Yeah, I think you could tell that Ember Labs, they're all about the visuals. Like, yeah. their pedigree makes the visuals so outstanding. Like, it's honestly probably the prettiest game this year. Like, one of the prettiest games that I played this year. I, think I would agree with really, that. Really ember labs what i'm very excited for them i'm excited for their sophomore project like their second outing they get some game developers that know all about gameplay just put some quality of life gameplay mechanics just plus different things that i had problems with like difficulty spikes between boss and not boss and the hard mode versus not hard mode like there's a lot of ironing out that you could just tell they're just they're just a new studio um, but it makes me really excited for the future for Kena 2 or, or whatever they go for. Because honestly, if they announce another game in two years, say like, hey, 2025, we're going to start this new game. I'll buy it because they're definitely someone that I want to watch in the industry. I also think that it's such like a refreshing duration of a game. Yeah. So I feel like a lot. It's pretty accessible. I feel like it's pretty accessible. Like and also there's not like a bajillion collectibles. You get a few hats. It's adorable. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's very intro gamer friendly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I could see like I I could see myself as like, you know, I fell in love with Kingdom Hearts by watching a Disney commercial. Like if I saw the commercial for Kana, I'm pretty sure I would have delved right in and thought this game was perfect back in 2000 four <laughs> right <laughs> all right matt what is your number six yeah so i'm kind of similar to tiffany like this this was really tough i you know i feel like i would have a tough time if we limited this to 10 i'd probably have a tough time limiting it to 10 too so um it's good that we limited ourselves somehow but yeah my number six has to go to the forgotten city the forgotten city was something that i was not expecting this all started from a skyrim mod back in 2013, 2017, somewhere in that four-year range. It's very broad. Um, But this one guy who he was a full-time lawyer in Australia, and he was just modding this, just making a Skyrim mod in his free time. It became like the most popular Skyrim mod. Actually, uh, I watched the Noclip documentary on the Forgotten City uh, this past week. Oh, it's just like a 30 to 50 minute episode, one episode. You guys should give it a listen. It, it just brings so much cool context to the game itself where, you know, we've talked about this a little bit off the podcast about is our video games marketable like in a professional setting? And it's really cool to see how this guy was a lawyer full time and his boss, I guess his lead partner in his, you know, law office kind of came up to him and said, hey, Firm. is this you? And he's like, yeah, it is me. And he basically told him, like, law is his life. Like, he needs to be practicing law and thinking about law. Like, he should not be spending thousands of hours making a mod. Um, And so he decided to go into game development. And that's where this whole thing came from. It was him and one other guy. 
that did it and they added a third guy and uh, they made this uh, game studio and made the Forgotten City and it is a beautiful game it is a time loop game set uh, in ancient Romans time I guess you can say it is has a lot of great quality of life improvements you could definitely tell that these are gamers that are making this that they they know kind of hey will someone get burnout over a long period of time playing the same groundhog day over and over and over again it just it's nice and refreshing to see a new company kind of take that into consideration and honestly i just had a fun time kind of like you tiffany like this is a very short game this is easily done in you know one long setting but yeah like a weekend yeah. yeah just finish it up it has a really interesting story and and the fun part about it is it's a narrative game that's not a walking simulator like basically your superpower i guess is just interviewing people and learning information and using that information to get you to that goal to figure out how to break out of this time loop and I think it's just so interesting. I, I do think that there are areas where this could improve upon in their next setting. Like, I knew what was happening in the end far before my character knew what was happening. And I'm not saying, like, I am this, like, high IQ, very intelligent person. Like, I'm pretty sure most, like, a lot of people felt the same way. Um, so, in my mind, there might have been some gameplay mechanics that could have been improved but honestly i just had a good time and i don't want to spoil too much just in case anybody wants to play it for the first time listening to the pod uh it is on game pass now it's generally on sale it's it's a fairly cheap game i would definitely give it a play because it is just refreshing have a weekend and feel a really good story uh that i one of my best moments of the entire year Yeah, I really enjoyed my time with that game. And to be honest, I wish that there were options for when I knew what was happening. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, they're like, go talk to someone else again. And I'm like, but I know. I only talked to two people. You only talked to three people. But I know the answer. Yeah. Um, But overall, fun time with that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I definitely think that it's a very breadcrummy game which is very user-friendly. And so if you are into narrative games with your significant other that may not play games, this is a great game to kind of bridge that gap for sure. Some spooky warnings though. True. There's some spookiness. Might, Might be spooked. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our number five pick. And so the, my number five pick Definitely relevant to this month of January 2022 because is actually one of the PS Plus games of the month. So if you're a PS Plus subscriber, you can get this game for free this month. And that is Persona 5 Strikers. Nice. And so this game originally came out February of last year. It's a sequel to the original Persona 5, not uh, Persona 5 Royal. Uh, and you know, in case you're also a PS plus subscriber, Persona five is part of the PS collection or PS plus collection. So you can go ahead and play that for free as well. Uh, but essentially this is, this comes in at my number five pick mostly because I think it holds a lot similar to my game of the year, 2020, uh, which was uh, Final Fantasy seven remake 
in that it is an action-based game that while a lot of people describe Persona 5 Strikers as a Muso, so you know, something like a Dynasty Wars type action game, it has a lot more tactical thinking and elements to it where while the combat might be Muso-like, where you know there's tons of enemies enemies on the screen that you're fighting at once, there's also a lot of strategy involved where you have to you have this basically temporary slowdown mechanic where you can choose abilities that you have to spend, you know, resources for. And it's really important, especially in boss fights, to like make those correct decisions to say, hey, what is this boss weak to? You know, I need to understand oh when do i have to heal when do i have to use like an elemental attack you know how do i exploit their weaknesses and the fact that it is a sequel to persona 5 which is one of the best rpg japanese rpgs i've ever played i think is such a great follow-up it's not something i was expecting because i think that story leaves off on such a good note but persona 5 strikers does a good job to say, hey, this isn't really a throwaway sequel. Like, it is a meaningful extension of the story with the characters you love in Persona 5 that I definitely recommend this. Like, if you've played either Persona 5, even though this is only a sequel to the original, but if you played 5 or Royal, I recommend this just as an extension of that universe. And also, there's difficulty options. You really don't have to struggle with this game. You know, you can play it on the easiest difficulty or you can play it on Merciless. Uh, I did not play the whole thing on the Merciless difficulty. I only played up to what I needed to in order to get the Platinum Trophy for the game. But definitely, there's some challenge there. Like This is a game that if you want it to be challenging, you can be challenged. So I think that also really makes it kind of that uh, game that anyone could get into. So definitely check it out. Also, fantastic music. Like that, one of the core things, you know, it's a lot of jazz. It's a lot of... It's a lot of music you don't really expect in a Japanese RPG, and I think that's a breath of fresh air for the genre. I'm pretty excited that it's free this month, and I'm really, I'm jonesing to check it out. So even though I have not finished Persona 5, maybe playing Persona 5 Strikers will inspire me to get back into Persona 5. Maybe, and I think in a way it's actually not that bad, uh, even though it's a continuation of the story mostly what you're missing out on is that by playing strikers it expects you to already know the characters and how they relate to each other so but beyond that i think it is something you can just play and say hey if you go into it with the understanding they're good friends i think that's a good enough uh start background at least. Yeah. yeah you don't really need to know the full events of five okay because i've already played five royal at least 30 hours and i apparently have still haven't met like 10 characters so i'm kind of just like what is happening (laughs) right all right are you ready for my number five yeah i don't think you guys are ready for my number five you're you are not not persona five you're not ready ready for this you're not ready okay so i had the pleasure of reviewing my 2021 nintendo switch and review as provided by nintendo You can find that online. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, my most played game of Nintendo Switch of the year 2021 was Animal Crossing. You guys, my number five recommendation is Animal Crossing Happy Home Paradise DLC. Okay? So I thought I was done with this game. After playing over 700 hours of 
wow. Animal Crossing. Okay. <laughs> and now the Happy Home Paradise DLC and the 2.0 update has really brought me back into Animal Crossing. Now, the month of November was filled with my playing that game on the normal schedule, you know, the like daily grind, playing, checking in on all my stores, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Honestly, the Happy Home Paradise DLC was very fun and I actually found a lot of joy des- designing yeah. the houses and stuff from all the characters so i um like i really built all the different houses i also like to choose who was showing up because like you get random villagers show up to the happy home paradise island to like be like hey come build you know i'm interested in having a a summer home or whatever and so like every day i would check and see like who i want to build for because you know there are a bunch of people there and some of them are cute and some of them are not and so some of them i'm like get away i don't want to don't live here like i don't want you here um so yeah anyway it really brought me back in and i thought it was super fun and if you like animal crossing this dlc is freaking amazing and completely worth the money i think it was only like 25 dollars. like it's a steal like get it or if you did the whole family expansion nintendo switch online membership thing like it's great check it out i was wondering if you were going to go for a dlc because like i saw your nintendo in review and i was like would she though maybe she won't talk about it this year And here you are. (laughs) Matt, it really like, I had so much fun. And then also they made some of the, the, um, the sellers, the little people Mm -hmm. that sell things. I I don't know what you would call them. Like entrepreneur people, kicks Uh and red and yeah, the merchants, they were just more accessible too. And so I was like, oh, I can finally fill out the artwork in my museum, but red is still hawking fake things Uh, so that yeah i was just like rotate stock please but being able to see him consistently each week was also really nice so like on mondays i got really excited i'm like oh i gotta go to harvey's island and see what's in store kicks was selling new gear there was so much new stuff like new everything like maybe not so much clothes there were some new clothes but like a lot of furniture items i got really excited about and i was like updating my island and decorating other people's paradise homes was just it was just so fun and also my mm-hmm. biggest thing was like decorating my school and my cafe oh actually i did the restaurant first but i was like really excited and you can make your villagers work in the school and the cafe and restaurant <laughs> it was fun <laughs> i'm just thinking about my house that probably has cockroaches everywhere because i haven't logged on in like a year no, it's 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 Schrodinger's house. You know, you never log on, you'll, you'll never have cockroaches. Exactly. Right? You'll never know. <laughs> All right, Matt, what's your number five? So number five actually is something that kind of surprised me uh, because when I first started playing it, I fell off it very quick. But then I came back when we started talking about like game of the year for game awards because my number five pick is Psychonauts 2. 
Uh, wow. Which definitely, definitely surprised me when I was organizing all the games that I played this year and figuring out which one that like really had an impact on me and like I enjoyed throughout. Psychonauts 2 quickly made it up that list. And I think the big reason is one, because I am just huge into anything that reminds me of the PS2 platforming era. And so you got me already with Psychonauts 2. Um, I do not have any history with Psychonauts at all. I didn't play the first one. I went back to it and then I was like, ah, there's an old game and there's no achievements. So <laughs> I'll just see if the recap's okay. Oh my okay. gosh. <laughs> so, you know, the recap was good enough for me. I was in the world. I fell off immediately after that recap. But when I came back and I really started to get into it, I just fell in love with the art design. Like this art design is honestly second to none this year. I enjoy how you are hopping in people's mind and they are not telling you why their mind is the way it is. Like the worlds that they make are all distinct and they're beautiful. Some are scary, some are weird. But when you make sense of it all, like, oh, there's always going to be a water level, right? in every game that you play you know you touch the water you die right uh and there's a level in there where it's not water you're in like this swamp area but it's not water it's like kind of this greenish liquid and you start seeing that the platforms that you're jumping on are empty liquor bottles and the person that you've jumped into their mind is actually an alcoholic and the reason why they're an alcoholic is based upon uh these issues that he had with his parents long ago and so throughout going through these things, there's liquor bottles and there's just booze everywhere. But then you're starting to see some of his childhood and you're, you're able to see kind of every, every art design of the levels kind of shape the whole story together. And to me, good art design is actually a good story. And this is probably the best shown like example, I guess, of the past few years. So Psychonauts 2 is definitely something that I, it just lives in my head rent free. It's it's definitely something I keep thinking about. And it's just clever. It's it's just really funny. Like there's this one area where it's like, yeah, we used to get really high on that hill over there because it's like kind of like this hippies area. Like there's like a music festival. You're like, yeah, we get high on that mountain over there. And of course you're thinking, oh okay, like they go smoke weed. But actually when you get there, like it's just gets very, very high. Like you start climbing this mountain and it starts getting very, very high. So it kind of like plays with words and like, it's just super clever throughout. And honestly, if you have game, it's another game pass game. It's on game pass. Um, you should check it out. Cause it's, it's pretty small. Like it's 20 ish hours to complete. And I had a great time throughout. It was a really fun time. And I hope more people check it out because Tim Schafer is a madman, but he's, he's great. Yeah, and I guess not to skip ahead, but this is such perfect segue because my number four is Psychonauts 2. Nice. Wow. And just for the reasons, similar reasons as you said, Matt, a lot of it is the inspiration that the game takes from and also just it's in its expression in its art style and level design. Like you mentioned, the whole... Uh, Bob's bottles level, right? The fact that there's alcohol everywhere and the platforms are empty bottles and it's reflective of, you know, his mental health and the whole game, right? Psychonauts being a game about mental health, I think is such a strong 
uh, message and also how these characters deal with their own issues and also how that reflects in, as you mentioned, the levels that you go through, right? Everyone has their own issues. No two issue, you know, no two people's issues are the same, right? Even if they might look it, they're going to manifest in different ways. And I think Psychonauts 2 did such a beautiful job in kind of giving both a way to understand that, you know, everyone has their own problems and everyone is able to deal with them in their own way, but also that, you know, no two problems are the same and no two answers will be the same to those two problems. And so really I, I appreciate it for that fact. And as you mentioned too, it's a solid, uh, you know, PS2 era feeling platformer slash collectathon. I was a big fan. My favorite level uh, in the game was actually the germ city level where you were uh, rolling around on top of a bowling ball. So it was like that combination. Yeah. Of, it was a bowling alley, but then also it was literally this like skyline skyscraper environment where a bunch of the residents were just germs and like, you know, boogers and stuff. So I, I really enjoyed that level the most. And yeah, definitely as you mentioned too, just I'm a big fan of puns. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the, how the levels were in a lot of the, uh, even the dialogue itself is just very pun inspired. It was just, you know, it hits me close to the heart rather than my mind. So. Yeah. yeah, it's such a solid game. Such a honestly, solid game. both of you saying that makes me interested. I think it's. Just... I think it's cool just to piggyback on something you said, Alex, because it it can't be expressed enough how important it is to talk about mental health and i feel like something like psychonauts just being out in the social sphere like i feel like we're at such a better place to talk about mental health now than we were five years ago but i feel like it just makes it so relatable like you can play through it a level and it's not you know, like simplifying in a kind of mean way or like a way that doesn't make sense like it's just a way for us to maybe reflect on mental health it's not you know, there are people that have mental health and people that don't. It's, we all have different aspects of mental health, no matter what. And I think that's a big portion of the game that I really appreciate. All right, Tiffany, what's your number four? So I think this just shows how much of a nostalgia person I am. Uh huh. Because my number four is Fall Guys. Nice. I think that. This game on it, like I'm going back to Fall Guys like all the time. They're keeping it fresh. They're keeping it new. They're collabing with a bunch of different IP. They keep jazzing up levels and stuff. I really like some of the newer levels that they've made. I still don't win, but I have a blast. And then, you know, join a game with both of you playing and grinding out those challenges like every once in a while. It's like really fun. Like. We've played Fall Guys more than Avengers. <laughs> oh yeah, we I haven't we haven't even checked out Spider Man in Avengers yet. So That's true. I mean, and like we made it, we like prioritized Fall Guys for the Santa Jack event. So you know, I think it just our squad actions, win. Yeah, squad, squad win. win. Our our actions speak for themselves. You know. So my number four is Fall Guys. You guys, honestly, this game is like what twenty bucks. Like, get it out. You know, Metatonic, when are you going to get Nintendo Switch and Xbox in? Okay. Our listeners probably are waiting for the expansion to other consoles. So mm-hmm. once that's out, pay the 20 bucks, get some Fall Guys action. It's a blast. 
Yeah. Could you imagine them putting Fall Guys on Game Pass? Like, that would be so amazing because it just puts more player base in. And honestly, I didn't put any, like, longitudinal games in here. But honestly, I could have put Fall Guys here. I would put Dead by Daylight as well. Like, it would just fill up my list. But Fall Guys is, like, such a social spot for the three of us. Like, we... Like, anytime there's a new challenge where you're, like, in the group text, like, hey, when do you guys want to fall? Like, it's just, yeah. like, the thing we do. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm honestly, that. it would be a f- smart move for Xbox to put, in game, put it on Game Pass because Alex and I got this through Plius Plus. Yeah. So, this game is great, and I just wanted to shout it out. That's a good shout out. It's a really good shout out. All right, Matt. You're number four. All right. This year, there have been plenty of Metroidvania games. There was even a Metroid game. And so it only makes sense for me to pick the best Metroidvania game that I played this year, which is Guacamelee 2. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, Metroid Dread. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But are you? But I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I didn't jive with that game as much as a lot of people did. Like, it got nominated for Game of the Year and a lot of different outlets. But honestly, it just didn't have the fun factor that Guacamelee 2 had. Like, I started playing a co-op with my friend who came into town. And we played it. And I was just in love with the mechanics. They do not take themselves seriously. They have a ton of Easter eggs that are just hilarious everywhere. Um, my favorite part of the game, and this is what I was about to ask in the pre-show and I didn't because I wanted to get the shock factor of saying Guacamelee 2. Alex, have you, have you played any more of Guacamelee 2? No, I have not, Okay, but I, it is still on the to-do list. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to roll in one part because it's honestly one of my favorite reasons why I put it on this list. There is a secret area called like the Dank Cave or something. And you get into it and you don't hear anything about it, but there's just all these memes and there's all these NPCs in there and all the NPCs have dialogue that's trashing Guacamelee 1 and they took out comments from like YouTube videos and like forums and put them in Guacamelee 2 of all the trolls that like trashed Guacamelee 1 basically saying it wasn't a good game and they put them all in there and it is just the most hilarious thing that a game developer has ever done there's like so many hidden pockets and i i i would challenge you to find all the hidden areas because every single one of them is just so much personality and honestly i was smiling ear to ear and i just like couldn't get enough of that game uh so please everyone check it out because it is just a wild ride and i love it well, that's so surprising, honestly, because I just get so frustrated being so bad and like jumping is just really hard. And mm. then like going through the different dimensions of death and not death. I'm just like, Alex, life. just leave me behind. Yeah, death and life. <laughs> I'm just like, Alex, just leave me death to die. and undead. <laughs> ah, to not die. I'm literally like, just leave me. Just let me bubble up. Like, let me just be a bubble. Can I just be here like for you? I will say so bad. It's a lot easier when it's just one person because there's so much chaos on the screen at one time and people are flipping all over the place. Like it's really frustrating. One person, not a big deal. It's not as hard. 
I do think it's cool though that this game does allow for like up to four player co-op because mm-hmm. I can see the the cool factor with that. Yeah, such a good game. Makes me uh, looking forward more forward to uh, when I get back to it to, so I can wrap it up. You're number All three. Right. We're halfway through the list. Yeah, so halfway through, we've done our six through four. We've got that three through one left. So for my number three, you know, my top three, my third game, and this is a game that I think has made me appreciate owning a PS5 the most mm. because I think it's given me the most out of both, you know, the controller, the console itself, like the whole what does it mean to be a quote-unquote next-gen game, and that's Returnal. Nice. Wow. So this is a game that, you know, a lot of people talk about as hard. And yes, it's not an easy game. If anything, for me, it's very frustrating, as Matt would probably agree with me, the collectibles, the way like how the room generation works and how the collectibles are tied to the room generation was a a very frustrating element when going for that platinum. But the game itself was just a great game. You know, visually looks great feels great you know i love the way the dual sense is implemented both the speaker and the controller the haptics right the feeling of the rain as you're walking through it like and it coming back through the the haptic feedback and also just the mechanics of using the adaptive triggers right like holding it halfway to zoom in and then you know for a regular fire and then pulling it all the way for the alternate fire like there's just such great mechanics to say hey this is what it means to be an action game like this like the con- the console can do this right fast loading great visuals a lot of particles on the screen a lot of enemies and also the controller makes it feel like you're in that world and they just hit every aspect of the system and i think they're like no other game really has come close like i know ratchet and clank which spoilers isn't on my list might be up there in terms of how beautiful that game looks and also its use of the dual sense uh, but I, I really think Returnal is just so much better on all on all levels. And also, as Matt mentioned before, when we've talked about the game, the uh, one boss, which I think is the third boss of the game, and its introduction to that boss is just such a great mm-hmm. kind of ominous feeling and such a great way to be introduced to a boss is so memorable. And I think out of a lot of the games I played this year is one of the most, if not the most memorable game for me even though it's my number three, but just I remember so much of every aspect of playing that game, including the frustration of getting the platinum trophy that it it really sticks with me. And I think it's a game that's going to stick with me in the years to come as well. It's a great game. And I don't want to say too, too much because I may be talking about it later. (laughs) Well, I'll share my number three. So I think, I'm like kind of looking forward to both of your reactions to it, but my number three is Operation Tango. Nice. Like, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was super innovative. And like, we all had a plan to try to get that platinum trophy for that game like we alternated combinations so that we could all play together in you know indirectly but i was really surprised it was a ps plus game so we grabbed that and honestly like i loved the co-op the crazy co-op experience that it had like we're literally each doing our own different things and just but still working together towards the same goal 
So I really liked it. And honestly, like I would have paid for that game. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone else should pay for that game because it's a great game to play with you a know, friend. My initial reaction to when you're talking about the co-op is I just remember because we played together first and then I played with Matt and then you played with Matt second that because I remembered some things from when we played together, I just would start doing things. And I just remember Matt telling me at one point, let me play the game. <laughs> yeah, I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, this is new for me. Also, like when Matt and I played, I think we played a straight like three months later. So like I had no idea what was happening. Like, especially because I was on the other role. Mm-hmm. Like, so honestly, okay, so... What I recommend if you want to play both sides is to have some time in between. Yeah. Uh, but it, I don't, I really liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I wish that there are more games like that, that have that sort of mechanic where yeah. you have to be with an online person, not in the same room to where you're like having to communicate. Like it really worked on like communication style. It's like, okay, go left. But like you have to orient them to say what is left first. And that to me was like such a weird concept that I never really thought of because usually you're all oriented the same way. But it, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I wish there was more. I know that there's like a VR game that's similar to that. But like for me, I would love to see a sequel. I know they have some free DLC, um, but I think it's more like time trial. So it hasn't really sparked my interest. All right, Matt, what's your number three? So my number three... This is, of course, Guacamelee 2 came out a while ago, and this is my other game of my top six that did not come out this year, but was something that was just so special to me. Uh, came out in 2018, was a lot of people's game of the year, which was God of War. This, to me, was oh, yeah. how I started the year. I started the year in January playing this game, and honestly, I put it here as number three because I feel like my top two have more mental space with when I was playing them, I was playing them alongside a bunch of other people for the first time. And so for me, like an older game, while it was still very special, um, just didn't live up to that kind of social media hype, I guess. Um, But honestly, if I had to make my all time game of the years, uh, God of War 2018 would be one of my favorite games of all time. Like it is definitely... If I had to map it out, I bet it would be in my top 25 games of all time. It is a complete game, has a great story, fantastic combat. Uh, Side quests are not meaningless. Every inch of the map when you're walking down them is planned. Like there is voice uh, or audio everywhere. Like people are just, you're just talking. You're talking to Atreus. You're you're talking to the head, uh, Mimir. Boy. And, you know, like the, the ending... Whatever reason, I did not get this spoiled three years later, did not get it spoiled, and I was blown away by the ending. And honestly, top down, like top, I mean, start to finish, this was the most complete game I have ever played and was something where I was like, this is special. Like, it's one of those games where you look back and you're like, you know, 10, 15 years, we'll still be talking about God of War 2018, because I played some of those original God of Wars when they were on PS2, and it is night and day. To get from that God of War, that Kratos, to 2018 Kratos, to me, that character arc is unimaginable 
I honestly can't imagine how they were able to do this. And I think a lot of this was their game director, who he's now blanking in my mind. Corey uh, Barlog. Corey Barlog. I think a big portion of that is that Corey Barlog became a dad. And, like, you can see the influence of being a father onto this story of Kratos. To me, like, I just was blown away. It's something that, while it was my one of my first experiences of the year, has been something I was like, you know what? All these game releases coming out later this year, you have to beat God of War. Because God of War is something special. So, kudos to them. Very excited. Hopefully for next year, God of War Ragnarok comes out. Can't wait. All right. Number two. My number two. So, first runner-up, right, to the number one spot. And... This it's in a similar vein to uh, Tiffany's number three pick, where she's talking about co-op, and that is it takes two. Nice is my number two. And so you know, those of you out there listening, if you're more in tune with the the games industry, you might have watched the Game Awards that happened back in December, and you might be aware it takes two one Game of the Year. Whoop, whoop. Which you know, Congratulations to Joseph Ferris. Congratulations to Hazelight Studio. You know, you guys did such a great job with this game. And it's my number two because, as I mentioned uh, back in our uh, Game Awards predictions episode, it's the game this year that made me, I think, the most out of any game I've maybe have ever played in my life go, this is my favorite part. Oh, no, this is my favorite part. Just constantly and consistently throughout the entire experience it just got like it just made me like it more and more every step of the way and it's something that you know and i won't go into too many details here because i know matt hasn't gone through the whole thing so i'm not going to spoil any specific moments but it is that game where you know it's not necessarily a co-op game for everybody there it's surprisingly demanding in its platforming in its execution that to say hey maybe this isn't a game you play with anybody but maybe someone that might be a little bit more comfortable with gaming in general but definitely because of that it surprised me right because it being a co-op game i thought oh you know this is going to be something like an overcooked maybe or you know one of those more simple things where there's like maybe three controls and that's it and indeed there is that, right? You move the left stick around to move the character, and then you have a jump button and a dash button, and those are primarily the main things, and you have an interact button. But the way they constantly evolve how you do things, like how they use that move set, and also just in addition, similar to Psychonauts 2, just how they continually create these interesting environments and levels, that is just such a good reflection of what it means to be a game, right? It is this interactive medium that nothing else is like, right? Not like anything passive like movies or shows or music. And so because of that, it does such a great job in just making you say, what like, what else can they do? And then they do it and you're like, that was good. And then you're like, this is better than that. And somehow this is this other thing is better than those previous two things. And you're asking yourself, at least I was, how is this possible? And so definitely, I think it was deserving of the game of the year. It's my number two, mostly because I think my game, my number one, my game of personal game of the year definitely hits a lot more personal notes that I like. But, you know, definitely for me, it takes two fantastic experience. I've been recommending that game to almost everybody. Mm-hmm. And I even gifted it to someone because i was like you need to play this game it's It's amazing amazing. and i also helped someone else buy it too (laughs) nice (laughs) 
I'm just like, and you get it takes two, and you get it takes two, and you get it takes two. Yeah, that game is. It's not on my list because I haven't. I haven't finished it. But it is one of those games I could tell would have been close to the top of my list if I played it all the way through. Of course, I'm playing it with uh, my girlfriend who does not play games, um, but it has been really fun. And she's actually like been a champ about it. Like she's not, you know, a natural. Like she hasn't been playing games all her life. Uh, but we're both enjoying it, taking it one chapter at a time. We will get there eventually. But from what we played, it is a ton of fun and i was very happy to see it win game of the year just because i think joseph ferris deserves it like bring couch co-op back and i think that he took it upon himself to be like you know what we're bringing it back you know what we're gonna give you a copy to give to a friend so you can play with someone like just because you're all by yourself does not mean you can't play this game and i freaking love that like you know what just buy one copy and that's good enough for two people so that to me is huge fan service, a big testament of Hazelight. Completely agree, especially because of the whole online situation. Because like yeah. obviously, like in most couch co-ops, you well, only one person needs to own it. But mm-hmm. here, you can play across the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. I very much enjoyed this game. It surprised me. Um, I had to wait forever for it to arrive. Um, I did, was not. I was unable to play it on release day, but I kept trucking through the game. The story was quite good, and the interactions between all the characters were perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I really felt like they were characters I were familiar with, and they might have looked different, but they interacted pretty much similarly on par with like the movies. So I guess the comics. I guess both the movie and the game really just adapted well from the comics. You know what I mean? Because they mm-hmm. so- felt very similar. Anyway, the graphics are really good. Combat was actually quite fun. Um, I Originally, when the game was announced and footage was shared, I didn't know if I could jive with the combat. But it was actually a lot better than I expected. Um, especially because, I, I mean, not going to lie. I had, like, I adjusted the uh fighting to like have auto lock on to some of the enemies just to help myself out because i'm not really big on like um first person shooters or anything but anyway well this i guess this is a third person shooter (laughs) um but yeah i really liked it a lot and i will not be getting the platinum though because the game has some quality of life issues that Mm. they could improve upon so Uh, quality of life strikes again yeah. Yeah. It so really you know, let me do some chapter select. Let me find my stupid little diddly bops and like move on. But no, I'm not playing this game again just to get this freaking platinum trophy. So, but otherwise, I very much enjoyed my time with it, and it's number two. And I think other people should play this game as well, especially if you're a Marvel fan. I would hundo p recommend Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it won best narrative at, at Game Awards, and honestly, it deserved it. It was the best narrative of the year for me. It didn't make my list just because I I do think quality of life kind of uh, slowed it down a little bit. But honestly, I was shocked. I I thought that this was going to be a solid seven to eight. And it's like, oh, if you like Marvel, you'll like this. But for it to get as much recognition as it did, it's just fantastic writing. Like what other right like piece can you think of that like i i just surprised me it's probably my biggest surprise of 2021 
Uh, so I'm very excited to see what they do next. But at the end of it, I was like, you know what? These are my guardians. Like, I like the MCU guardians, but these are my guardians. This is now canon for me. And that, that takes oh, something wow. special. Wow. I, I actually prefer also the visual designs of these guardians to the MCU guardians. Because Gamora's Dang. hair, like I keep saying, Gamora's hair is badass in this version of the Guardians. They could probably change that in MCU. Like, you know, just get Maybe, a little bit of but dye. I, yeah, it's going to require a lot of like hair gel too, though, to get that kind of like way it swooshes out. But that'd be sweet if they could make that happen. Yeah. Baby Groot is ultimate Groot. So I'm kind of whatever. But play the game. It's mm-hmm. fun. And now, do we finally get to hear about honorable mentions, Alex? No, oh, no. Wait. We need Matt's number two. Oh, Matt number I'm sorry. Two. I tried to skip Matt. Oops. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to be returning to Returnal, oh. which has taken my number two. Um, I held off as long as I could uh, because, honestly, everything Alex said, completely on par. Like, we both really enjoy this game. It was probably, like, it came out, what, in the summertime, somewhere around that time, maybe. Um, it definitely took up my headspace for a long, long time. It was something I was just engrossed in, and I, I just loved everything about it. Honestly, the tightest mechanics that I've seen all year. Ratchet & Clank had really good mechanics uh, and really fun combat, but honestly, Returnal's combat is just second to none. It won Best Action at Game Awards, and I'm I'm really excited that it did because it, it did deserve it. Uh, it was... Just beautiful. Housemark has a really great IP that they made. I don't know if they're going to have DLC. I thought they were going to probably release something after they've been like teasing it. And I hope they do. Like, I would love to dive. I would love to have an excuse to dive back into the world of Eternal. The Platinum was kind of a bear. It definitely struggles from RNG, especially on launch. I'm sure now it's not as big of a deal. But I spent like hours hours with for one audio log i listened to countless podcasts just shooting my way running through looking for that one audio log but when i found it i was like all right good this is great and i wasn't going to give up because honestly it's one of my favorite games on the ps5 if i if i guess difficulty in a game is not a barrier i would recommend this to everybody like this this game is is peak ps5 performance and if you're looking for what's the difference between your series x and your ps5 my answer would be returnal like it is just the dual sense of walking with celine in the rain the pitter patter you could feel the pitter patter in the dual sense that is just unlike anything i've ever even could imagine that gaming would be like in 2021 so great game came to number two and honestly it was it was a tight tight race between number one and number two and i've changed it about every few hours today uh so you might have even changed it as we were recording i could have right i now. did but i could have <laughs> <laughs> all right definitely agree with matt returnal such a great game if you have a ps5 check it out and with that you know we've done our six through two picks and so all that's left is our essentially personal goaties but before we get to that we're, we want to include in this in this in between here some honorable mentions. So the games that aren't our number one game of the year and also just games that couldn't make the list, but, you know, games that we enjoyed nonetheless. And so I'll just leave it. Let's have this be a free reign section for the honorable mentions. Just start shouting things out. I think for me, 
uh, I just want to mention since it was just brought up for Tiffany, Guardians of the Galaxy is an mm-hmm. honorable mention for me. As you guys mentioned, what great chemistry between the characters, great writing. I think, as you guys mentioned as well, just a lot of quality of life issues with it that kind of kept it out of the top six for me, mostly because all the other games I played were just so clean, like whether just having less bugs or maybe no bugs that I encountered at all. But the fact that there was a lot of progression blocking bugs I experienced in Guardians kind of kept it out there. And so overall, I felt like that game could have used a little bit more polish, but the game design itself was great. So it's one of my honorable mentions. One of my honorable mentions is The Forgotten City. Nice. Because, you know, part of my issue with the game is I kept calling it The Forbidden City. And I was like, I can't even remember this game's name. But I really <laughs> I really liked The Forgotten City, my time with it. But really, the reason why it wasn't on my top six is because, yes, it is spoopy. And mm-hmm. I don't like spoopy things. So It's not that bad. Uh, it's enough for me. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a few honorable mentions. The first one I'll start, which is number seven on my list, which was Forza Horizon 5. It was okay. one of the best Xbox Game Pass finds, <laughs> if you could even call it a find. Um, it definitely highlighted this fall. It's been really fun to play with my friends on Xbox. I would say when you get into these sequels, now we're on the fifth iteration of Forza Horizon, it's hard to differentiate Forza Horizon 5 to Forza Horizon 4. Besides a new setting and maybe a few tweaks, I did find it a little bit formulaic. I loved it. Um, but for me, I feel like Forgotten City just encapsulated 2021 a little bit better for me. Uh, another one of my honorable mentions is actually Lost Judgment. So this, you know, being the sequel to Judgment, a sub-series of the Yakuza franchise, you know, Yakuza being my favorite franchise mm-hmm. of all time. I think there's a lot that Lost Judgment strives for. It's such it is a very good game, you know. But the PS5 version is great, fast load times, good visuals, runs at a great frame rate. But I think the story really like misses the mark in a way where it tries to tackle some very serious subject matter, a la bullying, um, which is, you know, obviously kind of big, especially in Asian cultures, bullying is a very big thing. Even all over the world even. Uh, but I think its message kind of falls flat a little bit because it doesn't handle it in the most graceful way. It does try to wrap up somewhat, but I think it could have done some things better. And despite it being such a great game, you know, who doesn't love like the skateboard races? Like the Yakuza games are usually known for the plethora of mini games and it does have some great ones, but I think with me, the story really holds a very strong pillar to any game, right? To any medium, right? It's, usually to movies, TV shows, what have you, the story really matters. And I think because it fails there, it, it, it uh, didn't make the top six for me. So I am the self-proclaimed Nintendo shill on this podcast. So the my, two of my honorable mentions are Nintendo Switch games, Mario Party Superstars, is amazing and i recommend it to everyone who owns a switch especially because the online play is quite good and it's just mario party without any motion control games which some might think is a detriment but i think it's fine you know we Mm -hmm. have super mario party which has plenty of motion control games but mario party superstars is super fun also i never played the 64 
or like I didn't have a, Mar- a Nintendo 64. So seeing some of the boards and everything were honestly just new to me. So I really liked it. And then my next um, honorable mention, this is where I knew that when I made my top six list, I didn't want to have any caveats, right? Like, that's what I mm-hmm. told you guys. So this game is a caveat, which is why I kind of dunked it into honorable mentions, and it's Bravely Default 2. I was utterly and completely obsessed with the game when it came out. Turn-based RPG, ridiculous story about collecting crystals, destroying the crystals, meeting the people, and, like, getting the job classes, and fighting the monsters, and leveling up, and all that jazz. I I rolled credits on that game, but I did not get the true ending. But I had played over 70 hours of that game. Wow. Like after rolling credits so then you know i really just needed a break i was like i really burned myself out on it because i played it within like two weeks of just like constantly like waking up and logging on and checking in on my um there's a mechanic where you can have someone go look out for items and like you send out a ship basically and it like surfs around while your nintendo switch is sleeping and then when you turn it back on and check in it like found random items for you Anyway, every day checking this game. I loved it so much, but I just spent so much time on it. And I lent it to Alex, who did get the true ending. Um, He finally gave it back to me. So maybe I'll get back into it and get the final (laughs) ending. I don't know. Maybe. It's been like seven months since I've played this game. So... (laughs) I feel like I could go on forever for honorable mentions, but I'll mention one more which is actually my number one in my Nintendo in review, which I just started playing on the 24th of December. And it already was my number one game I played on my Nintendo Switch, which may tell tell you how I felt about Nintendo this past year. Wow. (laughs) Which was Loop Hero. Loop Hero initially started on PC, then got ported to Nintendo Switch, and honestly, it is the best handheld game I've, like, I've played in recent memory. Like, honestly, if I played this earlier when it was initially released, it probably would have been on my top six because I'm just now getting through kind of like the deeper story. But the mechanic of it all, fantastic. Base building and like all these beautiful things. It is a uh, rogue light, if you believe it or not. And it is just a ton of fun. Like, if you have to get past the sprite, the sprite art style, but if you get past that, you, you'll find a really deep game that honestly, like I could see why people wanted this to, to get indie of the year, which it was nominated for. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to play more of it. I'll, I'll definitely finish it in the new year, but uh, check it out. It's on Nintendo eShop if you want to. Wow. That's already your number one in yeah. your 20. 20- wow. Rip to Metroid Dread. Yeah. <laughs> I only played three games on Nintendo Switch this year. What was the third one? Uh donkey kong tropical freeze wait what did you get that for like christmas last year or something um or yeah i did yeah oh so okay I was, I was just trying to it was in my backlog forever yeah. um i didn't even finish it but <laughs> still in my backlog <laughs> <laughs> all right i i also have one more honorable mention uh, and that is Outriders. Ooh, okay. So, yeah, this game came out earlier in the year, and, you know, it's it's basically what you would think a third-person third person looter shooter would be, and it's, you know, just 
essentially mindless action with you know a kind of passable story but mostly a story that falls apart especially in the early hours and so you're kind of just playing the rest of it for the looter shooter aspect but i think it's definitely a game that's fun and most importantly at least that added to my enjoyment of the game it had crossplay from the get-go you know i got this game on console and i played with friends that got it on pc and it was just such a seamless thing. You know, you put in the code, you join their lobby, and we could play where we wanted to. And there was like no problem from the beginning. And so it's definitely something that, especially in these moments where it is a co-op looter shooter experience, I definitely appreciate the uh, cross-play aspect, mostly because since I play a lot of my games on console and I do have a lot of friends that prefer the PC platform to consoles, it's definitely easier to get games to play with them when there is that cross-play capability uh, present. And so definitely, like, despite the story not being there, it was just kind of fun going in, playing these levels, shooting these alien monsters, gaining loot, you know, and leveling up the character. So definitely uh, it hits all those kind of mindless co-op points that you would want in a game like that. All right, I think with that, we've, we've gone through our honorable mentions. So now here we are. We're at the the finale. Number one. Of our top six games of 2021. Our personal goaties, if you will, game of the year. Yeah. And I'll start it off. And I I think, and I'll leave it up to you guys. Do you, can you guys guess what my personal goatee is? Yeah. I don't think I can. All right. I, I would like for both of you to say at the same time. Okay. On the count of three, what do you think my personal goatee is? I just said that I have no idea what your personal goatee is. Just throw out a guess. Yeah, throw out a guess. Yeah, I want this to be, uh, to see what do you think of my personal taste. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Hold on. Give me two seconds. Oh, my gosh. Give me two seconds. Let me just really. Who's your sibling here, Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm beyond. Do you even know your own brother? I'm. I hold on. Give me. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. 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 On the count of three, one, two, three. Tales, Tales of Arise. Of Arise. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Both of you are my siblings. Confirmed. Yes. <laughs> Tales of Arise is my personal goatee. It's you know I'm a big fan of the Tales franchise. It's one of my personal favorite franchises. You know up there with Final Fantasy, up there with uh, Gran Turismo, up there with Yakuza, especially. And Tales of Arise is just that entry, that next, the latest entry in the series that is doing a good job in staying relevant. Right? I know a lot of the previous games were running on the same engine for a good, I think, like ten years or so, and definitely, especially with the most recent release before Rise, which was Berseria, you could see that despite it kind of keeping up with modern hardware, it was definitely aging. So the fact that with Tales of Arise, they swapped to Unreal Engine 4, you know, they modernized all the assets. This game looks great, runs great in Unreal, and it still retains all the things that, you know, and as we mentioned before, it just has a lot of good quality of life aspects to it that just make it a fun game to play. I think it's also my personally highest rated game you know via my twitter reviews i post via my personal twitter of the year just you know things from turning into 
like accepting a quest and being able to turn it in if you already have the things meeting the quest as you accept it is just such a great way to expedite the process of not having to talk to the quest giver again. You can fast travel to any fast travel point from anywhere on the map to any point that's available. So you don't need to go to a designated like campsite or a fast travel post or anything. And also just being able to write, as you'd expect, skip cutscenes, you know, change the difficulty on the fly. Like at any point you can just turn it down to easy if it's too hard or turn it up to hard if it's too easy. And just, they do so many things right that I think keeps this franchise in the mindset. And I know, especially in Japan, it's very big, but it isn't as big as something like Final Fantasy is in the West. And so I hope Tales of Rise is kind of that first step that makes it more popular in Western regions like America, like Europe, to say, hey, if you guys like Final Fantasy, you guys should check out Tales because despite them being, you know, at least back in the day, very different because Tales has always been an action RPG and Final Fantasy in the beginning was a turn-based RPG, is usually deserving of your time. It's got good character writing. It's got decent, you know, as you'd expect, crazy Japanese RPG-style storytelling where you go from being a school kid at one point to just killing, you know, God at some point at the end, (laughs) right? And so it definitely meets that great climax of saying, hey, you're a nobody, and hey, you're the God Slayer, you know? So you, you get there in the end, and the stakes are real. And also, you know, it's, it's just a fun game. And so that's why it's my personal game of the year. It would be so nice to be able to play it. Too bad you won't lend it to All me. Right. All right, <laughs> Tiffany, what's your, what's your personal goatee? Okay, I think... I like this. Can I'm pretty sure you two can guess what my personal goatee is this year, 2021. Do you think you sure? You, you want to do the countdown? Yeah, I'm going to do the countdown. Well, you've already gotten rid of Animal okay. Crossing, so now I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. This time, Matt's not your sibling. <laughs> I'm your sibling. Okay. Three, two, one. It takes two. It takes two. Yes. It's it nice. takes two. I love this game. I. I love it so much. It's so fun. And playing it with a friend is super fun. Alex and I were playing it across the United States. You know, there were times where I was like, can I just give you my controller? I couldn't. You know what I mean? Like, if we were couch co oping, <laughs> I could. But, like, in the moment, obviously, I couldn't. So I had to just figure it out and get good. Um, but honestly, it wasn't that frustrating. There were a couple do overs, but I just love it. The story is, like, fine. Like I'm not like completely in love with the story. <laughs> like I, it's surprisingly dark. Yeah. Yes, there yeah, are moments it, that there, I'm like, why did we just do this? Like that I also didn't want to do, and she forced me to continue playing. Yeah, he's like, I'm done playing this. I'm like, no, we gotta go. We gotta do it. We got. He's like, why are we doing this? I'm like, I don't know why we're doing this, but oh we have to gosh. do it. Yeah. So there's some moments where I'm like, the story is like okay. Like I. You know, I'm not saying like Guardians of the Galaxy has better writing than this game, but just the gameplay is just so fun. Like, that's why I love it. And that's why it's my game of the year. And I'll recommend it for many years to come. Mm -hmm. 2025, Tiffany is going to be like, but did you play It Takes Two? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And 2025, Tiffany is going to be like, Matt, did you finish It Takes Two? (laughs) And I'm going to be like, maybe. I'm not, yeah. not there yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I already saw that Hazelight. They're in the in the room, 
ruminating over what's next. Like they're they're at it. They're looking at the future. So I'm really excited because I, I think they've just been so like all the iterations of their co-op games from like Brothers to A Way Out to Now It Takes Two have just like built on each other. And at least from the part the portion that I've done, and I appreciate you guys kind of tiptoeing around, not doing spoilers, but like from the moments that I've done, they're so different. You could you could go 30 minutes and wonder if you're still playing the same game. And it's not like they're just trying to like, oh, well, we need a looting mechanic, you know, just slap it on, you know, like, or whatever. We need this mechanic, just slap it on, no one will notice. Like, no, these are like, well thought out mechanics. Like the shooting, great. Okay, didn't expect that, you know, like moving on. The next thing, like some sort of grapple shot okay yeah that feels good like this feels like this is what the whole game is going to build around because unlike a metroid game where you get something and then you use it the rest of the game some of these other mechanics at least from what i've experienced is like you use it for that level and then it's done and it's like that they fully developed each level that carefully i could totally see why it's both your like one of your best games of the year so cool all right guess for yours yeah, I think it's going to be pretty easy, but go ahead. On three. One, two, three. Deathloop. Deathloop. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. We're a big We're family. All We're in sync. We're a family. Oh um, yeah. It, it came down to Deathloop, which I just absolutely adored. Like, I think it's become a meme now because PlayStation absolutely murdered the the whole like marketing campaign like they just shoved it down our throats for like every state of play for like six months um, but honestly i loved every single trailer i watched and i really liked it because after every trailer i still didn't completely understand what the game was about like they were very mindful about that to me it is something where i just think it's the most complete game this year for for me personally uh, you know, it's a first person shooter, but basically it is just a simulation of figuring out this big puzzle that you have to interact with, which your puzzle is to kill these eight people. And they're at different parts of this island at different parts of the day. And you have to experience all the different parts of the day in the different parts of the island to understand where that Swiss cheese will happen, where you can kill all eight of those people all at once. And it, it's just a blast. Like there are just little areas and little little bits of personality that you can see. You're like walking around and you see like someone's like, hey, you know, like we're we're gonna, you know, live again tomorrow if we die. And so they're like playing Russian roulette and killing each other because they live without consequence. And so uh, the world that they built and it's like the 60s vibe, which I just completely dig like it is it is an excellent music and the art style it's just so beautiful i i'm i honestly would recommend this to everybody um our fourth squad mate that we found online that plays fall guys with us i recommended it to him and he's been playing it and i'm i keep checking on his on his trophies he's getting close to the platinum so i'm really proud of him (laughs) um but it's like i'm recommending it to absolute strangers like if you can deal with first person shooting that's your only requirement and if you can do it like because it is a fun game because you can honestly play as sneaky as you want or as loud as you want and you'll get a good experience to me 
I was pretty certain that this was going to be my game of the year ever since I played it. Um, but it's just a testament of that studio finally getting its due and getting the recognition that I think they've deserved for quite a bit. So I, I can't wait to see what they do next. Um, and that's that. All right. Yeah. And I just want to shout out again, as Matt said, you know, shout out to Arcane for Deathloop. Shout out to Bandai Namco for Tales of Rise and shout out to Haze Light for It Takes Two. You know, all of these games, great games. And I think they all won some form of award yeah. at the Game Awards as well. Because I think Tales of Rise won Best RPG. It Takes Two won at least Game of the Year. And Deathloop, I think, won Best Action Adventure. Yes. And I think it won Best Game Direction too like it uh maybe maybe yeah yeah and best performance and things like that so okay and with that that wraps up our top six games of 2021 episode and as a spoiler here for next week's episode you know for those of you who are thinking oh last year they only had one top six well this year we're giving you two top sixes so next week's episode is going to be our top six other experiences of 2021 so you know game or movies shows music what have you who knows what we're gonna bring i know i'm bringing some wacky stuff i know about my co-hosts here we also might even have more games on there who knows okay stop that madness (laughs) no i'm kiboshing it now (laughs) the madness cannot be contained in the second top 2021 list but with that we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you liked our picks. Maybe if you agree with them, maybe if you disagree with them, maybe if you weren't even aware of some of these games that came out or that were even existed, you know, hopefully you check them out. You can write in and let us know at our Twitter, RxP underscore podcast, or by writing in to rxp.podcast at gmail.com. And I forgot to mention this at the top of the episode, but I'll just mention it right now. If you're listening to this on audio services, we're now on YouTube. So go check us out at the RxP Podcast YouTube channel. And from this episode onward, we're going to be posting video versions of the podcast uh, for, I guess, the foreseeable future. So if you prefer to listen to it via YouTube, that option is now available to you. So go check us out there, like and subscribe. And with that, take care. And shout out to Grandmaster Doug for providing the music for our podcast. That too. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Look at us. We're a big family. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I tried to skip Matt. Oops. (laughs) Oops.